Jesus' name, we thank you, Father God, for this subject matter. Thank you, Father, for the things that have been shared on this morning. I thank you, Lord God, that you are right now giving us wisdom. We will not miss it to the right or to the left concerning the things that you want us to share on this morning. Let it bless your people. Thank you, Father God, that it will cause us to be freed up from anything in the past. We give you glory and honor and praise and thanks for these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Uh, how many of you, this uh, has been already a blessing to you? It's been a blessing to me, and I'm the one teaching it. <laughs> I, uh, you know, a couple of uh, testimonies, and um, um, I, uh, I, uh, I don't want to share that testimony. I'll share another one. Um, a person reached out to us, and I'll show you how strong this is, because we've been talking about uh, seduction, which we're going to talk about this morning, sex, soul ties, and transference of spirits. And uh, to show you how strong this can be, you know, last week we went over scriptures to talk about how you can have a soul tied to a friend. And uh, the Bible says that Jonathan, the soul of Jonathan, was knit to the soul of David. And it was nothing, it wasn't any funny business, no homosexual desire, nothing. It's just that they were extremely close as boys, as we would say. It'd be the equivalent of Martin Lawrence and Will Smith in the movie Bad Boys. You know, that, that bond that was unbreakable. If one of them had to get killed, it would have affected the other one possibly for years. And, um, but a person reached out to us, and what happened was is that this individual grew up. She grew up experiencing no love. She was abused for quite a few uh, years, and uh, she said she just never had any love. She experienced love for the first time when she went to college. And, and it was through a friend, another female friend. It was not homosexual or anything like that, you know, but it was the first time that, you know, how you can have, you, you know, you have a friend and then this is your main person and then you have a love for them. If something happened to them, you know, you would cry like it was your natural mother. And so, so because that was the first time she experienced love, even though it was from a friend, there was a soul tie that was created and she didn't know it. Well, years later, her and that friend had a fallen out. And um, and she apologized, but she said after that the friend didn't want to have anything to do with her. Um, a couple of times she called her when she needed something to use her, but she just wouldn't have anything to do with her. And but for some reason she could not shake this. I mean, she said it was it was it was like a, a spouse that dies. She she couldn't get this girl off her mind, and she said it was nothing sexual. She was just she was just like couldn't function. So she went to couple of uh, psychiatrists and they told her that the reason that she couldn't break it is because she was lesbian and and the psychiatrist told her so this so much she decided to experience with lesbianism and she said but uh, she said but that only happened one time she said I gave that girl a kiss and I was like nope no I am not attracted to a woman nope this is not it no uh uh-uh and uh, has been struggling with that all of these years the uh, the Friday, last Friday, before I even preached the series, they didn't even know we were preaching it. And the person was laying in bed saying, Lord, I cannot break this thing with this girl that it was just simply my friend. What is this? How come I can't break this? And then the next morning, well, we preached the series and she heard it and then she realized what it was and then she was able to break it. And now she said that thing is gone. And so, so soul ties are very, very real. They very much are real. 
Um, you know, the scripture does not say the word soul ties. But as you know, as, as a result of what we preached last week, it's right there. Um, friendship, business, church. I had another couple that called me that they know that they're supposed to be members of this church. And then they realized after listening to the media page that the reason why they couldn't break away is because they had a soul tied to that church. Dying, drying up, not being fed, but then they, they realized that. So I would help them with that. So it's very, very important to preach what the Holy Ghost wants you to preach, even when it's uncomfortable because he knows what's best. You know, I have some illustrious messages right now at the house, man. This made Jesus is supposed to make Jesus come down through here on a skateboard. Like, man, this is the baddest thing I've ever heard. Man, you prepare that thing. And the Lord said, throw that thing right in the trash. I got something else. You know, so he will let you create a whole illustrious series and then make you throw it right in the trash. This guy teaches humility. So so let's I just want to share that with you. So we're going to uh, talk about uh, seduction and the spirit of seduction. I'm going to start off just for a moment, and then I'm going to let my wife take the lead and kind of back her up uh, at certain things. We'll share probably quite a few stories. How many know the stories can really, really show you the scope of something? So James chapter 1, verse 12, and uh, we'll be reading from the New American Standard Bible for most of these, um, and you can follow us on the screen. Um, James chapter 1, 12 through 15, it says, Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil. And he himself does not tempt anyone using evil. But each person is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust has conceived It then gives birth to sin, and when sin is accomplished, it then brings forth death. That is literally what you call the mathematical equation for death, is that each one of us in here has at least one issue that is your weak area. It can be strengthened, and if it is a weak area, you have to focus on that. Just like if you see a guy at the gym with bird legs, he needs to focus on those bird legs. Where that came from, but it's a good example anyway, because all of you have seen that. He looks like Bolo up here, but got bird legs down there because he doesn't focus on his legs. That's his weak area. Nevertheless, Bible says each one of us have our own issues of weakness. Okay, and that weakness then draws you away and you start operating in that realm of weakness. And then something conceives the same way a man can keep having sex with a woman. She doesn't get pregnant the first time, doesn't do it the second time. Maybe the ninth time she gets pregnant. Well, that's how it is with fooling around with sin. Okay, it may not strike you the first time. Okay, but if you keep fooling, it eventually will strike. Then conception takes place, and then like a baby, okay, that sin will grow on the inside of you. And then when it gives birth, it produces death, and you go right down to the ground. In the meantime, the Lord will be having people intercede for you. So I share that one scripture before my wife starts because there is a difference between your own personal lust that will drive you to do things versus seduction. Personal lust is you got a problem. Seduction always requires an outside force or a person or a second party. It means that a force, whether it be a demonic creature or another individual has come into your life to seduce you into doing certain things. So my definition that I have here of seduction is enticing someone astray from right behavior. And that's what seduction can be. Now, if the enemy knows you have a weakness, he will then seduce you in that area of weakness. 
but they won't just only seduce you in your area of weakness. The devil's job is to use himself, his army, and other individuals, men, women, and even children, to seduce you away from good behavior. And it's an act of winning the love, affections, or sexual favor of someone. Um, and many a times, it can be a conquest. Like I always say, if you're trying to keep yourself pure, and not always the case, but if a man is trying to keep himself pure and a woman, Christian woman, or, or unbeliever, period, she keeps trying to have sex with you, it can be a trap. Um, if a man keeps trying to have sex with a woman, um, it can be a conquest. And um, it's amazing to see. You have, you have two examples in Scripture of men who had sex with a girl one time, and one particular individual, it said that he loved this girl I mean, he thought he loved his girl with all his heart. He had sex with her one time, and it said after that one time, he kicked her out of the house, and the hatred that he had for her after that was greater than the love he had. And that's why you have to be careful, okay? You have sex with some individual, they will tell you every single thing that they want to hear, and then once they get you, bam, that true nature kicks in, and now there's a hatred, and they move on to the next item, because that's all it was was an item, okay? So, so I just wanted to throw that out there. There's a difference between your own personal lust and being seduced. My wife is going to... Uh, share some things with you and as she tells these stories I have some and I'll jump in you know as she does that so go ahead so we're going to first look at the spirit of seduction the spirit of seduction is a being or a force that influences a person to entice deceive manipulate or lead astray in order to get what it wants such as sex money and power a few close companions are control pride, and rebellion, such as in the case of Jezebel, just control, pride, and rebellion. So the spirit of seduction is a being or a force that influences a person to entice, deceive, manipulate, or lead astray in order to get what it wants, such as sex, money, and power. And control, pride, and rebellion are also in that mix. So let's take a look at Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, and we'll see where it all began. Huh? Okay. Now, when the ser- now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God has made, and he said to the woman, "Indeed, has God said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden?" The woman said to the serpent, "From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said you shall not eat from it or touch it, or you will die." The serpent said to the woman. You surely shouldn't, you surely will not die, for God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a light to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. So the, Bi- the Bible says that the serpent was more crafty. He was more crafty than any beast of the field. That word means cunning, artful, skillful in devising and pursuing a scheme by deceiving others or by taking advantage of their ignorance. Mm. So the serpent took advantage of her ignorance. Now, she was given instruction. She was told but he took advantage of her. He completely deceived her. But here you have a woman who had everything that any woman could want, a great husband, a great home, living a great life, but he appealed to her senses. He deceived her, and she went along with what he had to say, and that's how the spirit of (laughs) seduction is. (laughs) A spirit of seduction. You could be going about your way, living your life, 
And there aren't any less issues. I mean, you're fine, you're going about life, and all of a sudden, someone or something shows up to get you off track. And so if there are areas of weaknesses, you do have to fortify those areas and be in the word because the enemy is always looking for a crack. He's always looking for a way to get in. And in this case, the serpent came right for Eve. I, um, I, uh, when I saw the word scheme, something hit my mind about um, uh, just two examples. Because men, men and women are susceptible to the same type of temptations, but because our makeup is different, it can be greater for one versus the other. Uh, one of the things that particularly married ladies have to be careful of is the enemy will always seduce you into thinking you're missing out because of what you don't have. No matter how much you do have, he'll seduce you into thinking you're missing out because of the one thing you don't have. That's what he did with Eve. Eve like she said, Eve had the perfect environment. Okay, I mean, when you really get into the study in the nature of this, um, the scripture seems to imply that a woman had a baby once a month. And after she had the baby, her body snapped back to perfection instantaneously. Okay, it wasn't all of this stuff that women experience now. I mean, one of the curses on the woman was, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception time, which means it was not like that, which means a woman didn't have baby in sorrow. There was no pain and there was uh, no extended time. Scripture seems to imply that a woman had a baby in a month. Um, But uh, I did say that right. Yeah, I'm still trying to come down from this prayer. A woman had a baby in a month. And so but how he got Eve was she had the perfect environment, wonderful husband. Attractive husband, perfect environment, but the one little small thing in the whole planet, one tree in the whole planet, and that's what the enemy did is he focused his resources on, convinced this woman that she's missing out on everything because she doesn't have this one thing. And we have seen people walk away from stuff, okay? We've seen people walk away from marriages because of one little small thing that became the whole thing. Because if you focus on the one thing, it can become the whole thing. You know, when it comes to this, and this is what you call seduction in the area of scheme. I'll share a personal testimony that, um, how many of you know, when, well, this is the way it's supposed to happen. When you get married, you're supposed to mature in how you operate with your spouse. Amen. I'm going to look straight ahead. <laughs> okay, so, so um, earlier on in our marriage, you know, if I had a problem with something that she was doing, I'd just bring it to her attention. Okay. You know, how many know that all of us are lacking in a particular area? Men, sometimes we, I don't do this, but, you know, we just throw our drawers right in the middle of the floor. They leave our socks. Just, you know, hopefully I'm not telling on nobody, you know. Do all those type of stuff, you know. Men do things that get on a woman's nerve. Women do things that get on a man's nerve. So sometimes, and all of us are weak, okay. Sometimes we don't clean up the way we're supposed to. All those different type of things. Those little nuances. So... So, uh, I don't know why y'all laughing at me. So, but I began to have this thing where I would, maybe it was something that I felt my wife needed to get on top of. That was just a personal pet peeve of mine. And, and I would feel it and I could hear the words in my mind on how to say it. I could hear it. Have you ever done that? You, you know, rehearsed it in your mind, okay? I get them, I'm gonna say it this way. This is how they might react. If they are this way, this way, this way, I got boom, boom, boom. And I rehearsed this in my mind. And so, but then I would, Holy Spirit started dealing with me, hold it, hold it. And, and at first, when I held it, it got stronger. I just need to tell her, Lord, I just need to tell her, 
hold it, hold it, hold it. And I would hold it. I'm a master at holding it now because of what I learned. Hold it, hold it, hold it. And I would hold it for about, and after about, after about two, maybe three days of me holding it, it would break. And then I would find out that she was, the, the, the devil was trying to depress her. Okay. And so you can see how the scheme is. Okay. Now, let's wear her out and try to get her depressed about dumb stuff that she don't need to be depressed about. But we're going to wear her out. How I many you know you, sometimes you just feel like you're not worthy, you're not this, you're not that, you know. And, and the higher you go up in the scale of things, you know, as a pastor, I tell you, you know, come down to sometimes midweek service, I'm riding home after church in, 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 in the truck all alone <laughs> in the middle of the night. And you feel like that was the worst sermon I ever preached in my life. Devil would beat your behind up. So he would be doing that to her then they send another individual to bring things to my attention that I wasn't even thinking about. So that when that's brought to my attention, I will then blast her and now she will then possibly fall into depression. So I had, that's why the Holy Spirit would say, hold it. Now, he didn't tell me the whole thing, he would hold it. So I would hold it, it would break. And she was like, man, there was something on me trying to depress me, boom, boom. And that's when I start writing down, I'll say, I got it, Lord, I got it. There's a scheme going on behind the scene. Many, I can guarantee you, 70 to possibly 80%, like it's a 10% difference, 70% of the disagreements you have with your spouse were induced by a third party. Plant thoughts in the mind about, I'm riding home, this is why you ride home, and all of you have done this, you ride home, and you start getting the attitude the closer you get to the house. (laughs) And nothing has happened. Nothing has happened. And you walk in the door mad and you don't even know why. Yeah, you know, you left fine. Your day was fine. Wait a minute. Matter of fact, you could have had a terrible day at work and you were cool. You got in the car, work is over with, and you were fine. Closer you got to that house, you just start getting an attitude and don't even know why. It's a third party. Say, so it's seduction works many different ways, and this is where an enemy is trying to seduce you into an argument with your spouse. So you can go, I just wanted to add those. I'm good. Yeah. So that's important to understand that we're not just flesh and blood. We are dealing with spiritual beings out here. And if you are ignorant to that, you will be led by your flesh. And you'll make decisions by your flesh and you'll make wrong decisions from your emotions. And you'll just do things that are not right because you're not operating from a good place. So I want to give you an example of the spirit of seduction and operation. Exactly what happened to Eve is what happened to someone that I know. She was working at the auto show. She was one of the models. Very, very beautiful woman. Very beautiful woman. And there was a man in his driveway washing his vehicle. And he said that something came over him. He felt like he was supposed to go to the auto show. Now, this woman is a married woman. She has beautiful children. She has a great husband, great home has been to Bible school, ministering to women. I mean, for all intents and purposes, look, she has a great life, right? But what you can't see is the woman's heart. She had allowed uh, discontentment to take root in her heart. Now, her husband is a good man, was a good man. They're not married anymore. He was a good man. But she allowed her eyes to look at what she didn't have. And she started focusing on what she wanted what she desired. And although he was providing in her own mind, it was not good enough. Instead of 
casting down her thoughts and appreciating what God had given her, she began to complain and began to meditate on those negative thoughts until it took root in her heart. So now this thing takes root in her heart. She's out here making all this money because I'm going to make my own money and do my own thing and, and have my own way and have what I want. Let me add something right quick. Go ahead. And this is important because he was, the husband was providing for her on a very, very good level. And we're not talking about them living in a shack. I mean, very good level. But that one thing, she wanted more. And, and because she wanted more, she wanted to go out and do her own thing financially. And the husband was like, I just really don't have peace about that. I don't have peace about that. I don't have peace. And because she kept pushing, 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 he finally gave in and said, okay, go ahead. Okay. So the man is at home washing his car in the driveway, and he feels that he should go to the auto show. had no desire whatsoever, but a thought comes to him. Go to the auto show. So he goes in the house, takes a shower, puts his clothes on, jumps in the car. He goes to the auto show. He sees, my, he sees this woman, right? Sees the woman and goes and talks to her. And she tells him, I'm married. And he said, really? Okay, so I'm going, I'm going on my break. So she goes on her break somewhere in this convention center. He finds a woman in some dark hole somewhere. He finds her, gives her his card. That was the mistake right there. She took the card. Rather than saying, no, thank you, she takes the card. She puts the card in her purse. So then guess what happens when she's having a bad day with her husband? She called the guy. She called him. So I'm going to take a very long story. I'm going to just take you really quick through it. So she calls him. They end up connecting. He's in a different state than her. She's traveling, end up connecting. They end up having an affair. She gets pregnant. She has an abortion. The husband agrees to forgive her and they can move on, but she cannot let this guy go. Now, at the point of forgiveness, what she should have done was changed her number, changed her email, and cut all ties. You cut all, there is no we can still be friends. There is no let's have one last night together. It's over. It's over. But she could not let this guy go. They have had sex. They have bonded together. And this guy is in her head. He is in her spirit. He has been in her body. And he is all over her. So now she's back home with her family and she can't, she can't let it go. So she attempted to get on with the marriage and it just didn't work. She ended up getting pregnant a second time. She has now left the husband, she's left the children, and she's carrying this man's baby. During all this time, I'm telling her, this is where you're headed. I mean, I darn near got cussed out. It's like, I would never do this, I would never do this, I would never do this, but this would happen. Not only that, she ended up divorcing the husband, leaving the children, went with the man to another state. When she gets there, he's getting evicted. Because he had given her the promise of, I have money. Mm -hmm. I have a nice car. I can give you everything you desire. I can give you everything. That's right, straight straight of the devil. I can give you everything. You know, you a stay-at-home mom, and you know, you're not really doing anything. I have everything you need. And because of that root that had set up in her heart, because of her own thoughts and her own meditations, instead of taking her cares and concerns and desires to the Lord, she took that. And the enemy used it and sent that man who was washing his car, who had no desire to go to the auto show. I know this because she told me later about what he told her about why he was even there in the first place. That's crazy. To find her. She kept that car and called that man. And then she ended up moving away. She was, they were on the verge of eviction. The sheriffs had been there. And I told her, if you call her ex-husband, if you call him, I promise you he will come get you. He will, I knew that he loved her. I said, he will come and get you, and he will take you. And he, she called him, and he said he would. She said, well, no, no, I'm going to just stay here. 
Now today, if you fast forward, she married the guy, but now has divorced the guy. So I share all that to say, and she has another child with that man. The other kids are with the father. So I share all that to say that the spirit of seduction is real. The enemy is real. And if you don't have your eyes and your heart and your mind perfectly aligned with the word, then he can send someone or something, any man, any woman is vulnerable at any time, at any time. And when you think you are not vulnerable is when he comes in because you think I can't be taken down. I'm God's man of faith and power. I'm God's man. Yes, you are. And you can also be taken down by that right woman, by that right man, by that right business deal, by that right investment, by that right circumstances. You can be taken down. What I thought was absolutely amazing about that story is the husband, in her eyes, had everything except for the one thing. She's in another state working, and this gentleman, this dude was in his driveway washing his car, and a voice came to him and said, get up, go to the auto show. So he went in, got dressed up, went to the auto show, and, and the enemy knew what was in this woman's heart designed a scheme and found a profile of a man that would be the one thing that she would think is everything. And he was nothing. And he was nothing. Because I, I, I can tell you. nothing. Ooh, see the reason I'm up here doing this is because my wife would tell you I was hot. I mean, when I, when I tell you I was hot, I was, my wife had to tell you that was the one scenario where I was like, I was this close to saying, Lord, just send him to hell just for a moment, just just for a second. Send this dude to hell. I mean, because this it's a lot of stuff that we won't share that this dude was just off the chain with his foolishness. And and so she has everything in her mind. She has everything except one thing. If you talk to a woman, she said, my husband is everything except for this one thing set out on her mouth. OK, this one guy, because he had the one thing that she thought she didn't have. He seemed like everything. Now, here's the deep part. She thought he had money, right? And he was going to buy her a big house, buy her this, do this, that, and other. The man was broke. So not only did he, he not broke. have that one thing, when she married him, he realized he didn't have nothing of what everything the husband, other husband had. So all that whining and dining he did to romance, to romance her, broke. it was all a facade. Broke. Seduction. Just broke. seduction. All of a side, just to get her, to get something from her. Because it talks about being a force or a being that influences a person to entice, to deceive, to manipulate, or to lead astray, to get what it wants. Sex, money, power, control. So this girl lost everything. Mm-hmm. Now the good part about it is now she's on, she's back to her right mind, back to herself. Her family has not been restored, which I have been praying for. Her family has not been restored, but she, her relationship with the Lord has been restored. And she's on her way back. I mean, she was called to ministry, got off track. I'm like, get back on track. God's plan for your life has not been canceled. You just got off track for four or five years. Just come back and get it right. So the Lord is restoring her little by little. But it just shows you that no matter how, I mean, because if you saw this family, if you saw this family, it was the equivalent of looking at mine. If you saw this woman, it was the profile of her, okay? Everything, Bible school, stay-at-home mom. I mean, I mean, just an exact profile. If you saw this couple walk in, you would swear up and down that they were models. Their children, absolutely gorgeous. And yet, you know, when my wife was ministering to her, my wife kept saying, I'm telling you, you're going to do this. 
She was like, I would never leave my kids. I would never divorce this man. I would never, every single never thing she was, said she would never do, she did and more. She did a whole lot more. And it was, it was sad because my, the Lord was giving my wife dreams. Visions, words and wisdom. The Lord was doing words. everything that he could to tell this girl, do not go down this route. Do not go down. The only reason why I had to give it to my wife because all her friends had left her. Because they were like, if you're going to do this to that type of man, I don't even want to be your friend. It was deep. I said, it was Otha, the deepest thing. Otha almost forbade me to be her friend. I was like, well, I, I got I to gotta pray her. I got to be here. Somebody has to be here to pray, to pray this girl. She's going to go to hell. Yeah. So I stayed. You had a dream about that, didn't you? About her going to hell? No, no, no. About, never mind. What? <laughs> never mind. I'm sorry. See, I mean, I, mean, I have to be honest with you. I still, my emotions have not recovered from it. It was that heinous. Mm-hmm. I just have not recovered from it. And, and she's right because it got to the point where she was the only person, male or female, in this girl's life. And it took all the holy ghostlessness in me to allow my wife to just minister to her, let alone try to be a friend. I had to really put my, my I had to put myself in check because I was gone. Numerous times. I, yes, numerous, numerous times. I mean, I was, because we're not sharing with you everything that happened. I mean, it would be the equivalent of her taking a knife and just sticking it in my back and twisting it for the next six months. So Genesis 3.13 says, Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The spirit of the seduction in action came to her, said all these wonderful words, presented her with some great wonderful thing, and then... It led her to sin against her husband and the Lord. And here's the, here's the crazy part about affairs. And we were just not even in my notes, but crazy about, crazy part about affairs. It looks enticing. It looks great up front. It looks fun. Like, ooh, this is so exciting. But it, it's not exciting because the interaction you have with the individual is only based on lies. You don't have the bills and the housework and, you know, my bad hair day and my no makeup day and when I don't feel good. I mean, you don't have the dirty laundry. You don't have any of that. All you have is a positive interaction every time you come in contact with the person because that's how it's designed to keep you uh, in locked, with the, I mean, locked up with this person. Every time you see him, every time you talk to him, it's nice, it's fun, it's sexy, it's romantic. Oh, man, I can't wait to see him again. Not knowing on the other side, if you saw him when he dealt with people and you saw him, how he handled his money, how he handled his life, he would not be good for you. And you do find out, like in Temptation with Tyler Perry, at the end of her life, that brother had given her AIDS. But it seemed exciting up front. It always seemed fun. But the spirit of seduction is deadly. So we're going to go on to Proverbs 6, 23 through 26. For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light, and reproofs of Reproofs of instruction are the way of life to keep thee from the evil woman, from the flattery of the tongue of a strange woman. Lust not after her beauty in thine heart, neither let her take thee with her eyelids. For by the means of a whorish woman, a man is brought to a piece of bread, and the adulteress will hunt for the precious life. And that's male and female. That's male. I mean, the scripture focuses on female, but. I think there are more women in trouble because of the flattery of a man than men in trouble because of the flattery of a woman. Most women that are had dealing with problems is because of a man. Most women don't deal because don't deal with problems because of women. They deal with problems because of another man. And um, and this, you know, it's when she was reading this, <clears throat> I have these. I just told her about something this morning. You know, every once in a while I have the instances. I don't know if guys, if this has ever happened to you. You out in public, 
and uh, you see somebody that you also see a female you haven't seen in a long time. And when they see you, they're oh, hey, how you doing? I haven't seen you in a long time. Where's your wife? <laughs> now, there's two ways to ask a man where's his wife. One is, where's your wife? <laughs> the second way is, when you hear, where's your wife? I ask the question to see if you're available. Are y'all still married? Are you divorced? Boom, boom. I had a friend of mine. He was walking in a church. <laughs> he was walking down the hallway. Him and his wife were having a few issues. And, uh, but all marriages do from time to time. He's walking down the hallway. He said, a woman walked right next to him while he was walking down the church hallway. She said, if you and your wife ever break up, I'm available. And then she walked away. <laughs> I don't get those experiences because I don't know if they're scared of her or she's going to drop kick them in their neck, you know. All it, all, and I pray, all of that, all of it. Yeah, so I just, <laughs> all I, of it. I just, that never happens to me. It just never happens. You know, so it happened to her. Maybe that's the problem. It happens to her all the time. Yeah, so it was they, crazy. When I was 17, I was, I mean, he was talking about how men seduce men with their words. We like, we like to hear compliments, and you're so fine, and you're so pretty, and you're so this, and you're so that. That appeals to our emotions, right? So I was 17, and um, I was approached by someone. The man was tw- over twice my age. I mean, he was over twice my age. And he approached me and wanted to get with me and everything. And he told me he wasn't begging. He was buying. (laughs) Basically, I got money. I got the cars. I'll take you shopping. I got what you want. I got what you need. I'm not begging for it. I will pay you for it. I'm not a prostitute. You're not paying me for nothing. (laughs) So, yes, they'll come try to sweet talk you. I don't need a sugar daddy. I'm good. I'm good. Oh, go ahead. I just want to add this to it. For for married couples, I said something in a membership class years ago that came out of my mouth and it bears repeating because you never know who's listening and it needs to hear this. Um, as a married couple, my wife and I are not into, well, we married. I just did, I just did a marriage session uh, here recently and the woman, she, she actually said, and I, you have to correct a lot of things, she actually said, well, my husband don't need to get in shape, he married. And it's like, you ever seen a lady that's married and and tore up from the floor up, just you know, just boom, and her husband died, or she get a divorce. Six months later, man, she looking like Holly Berry or something. <laughs> what is that? Okay, and and we, me, her and I, we don't play that. We don't teach us that. You can love somebody and not like them. You can like somebody and not love them. And it's very very important in a general term. It's extremely important for women to protect their husbands sexually. And for men to protect their wives emotionally. Very important. One thing I want to add to that, too, is that you can love them but not be attracted to them. Yeah. Because how did it? And it could be physical. It could be how you carry yourself. When, when, you know, I mean, my counseling sessions are wonderful, but I have to tell them, I have to tell you the truth, y'all. You know, we have lost it in the church. Everything is the Holy Ghost. Okay? Every, y'all looking at me like, yeah, yeah, yeah no, no. <laughs> Everything is, we always want to pull up all these scriptures and all that type of stuff. If I want to see my wife look a particular way, okay, that's called love. And if you refuse to do it for the spouse, sometimes that's called disrespect. Hey, you're supposed to spend the rest of your life. I can't tell you, this is just one small example, one small example. Everybody say small example. Okay, because you're going to hear me say some things about women, but it's true for the men. You're going to hear her say some things about men, true for the women. Can't tell you how many counseling appointments I have done, and, and they're not getting along, whatever, or some adultery, whatever. And, 
And she said, well, he wants me to change the way I look. And, you know, these are my clothes and this is my body and this is my hair. And, and she going on and on. I just let her get it all out. And so I asked him the same old question. I said, let me get this right. Do you love your husband? Yes. Do you want him looking at another woman? Absolutely not. So let me get this right. You love your husband and you only want him to have eyes for you. Yes. And then I throw it out there. Don't you think he should like what he's looking at then? One lady said, ooh, I've been acting a fool. I said, yes, you have. You need to take care of that. Counseling session over. Going through all of these scriptures. It's common sense. And there's nothing to feel bad about. I mean, because anything externally, you can change. You can work on it. It's your hair, your makeup, your clothes. Those are things you can change. Gain weight, lose weight. Those are things that can be changed about you. And if you don't know how, there's loads and loads of resources on the Internet. I mean, you have may have friends or people that are in your life that can help you. So there's nothing to feel bad about. It's just going to take work and effort and diligence, but you can do it. We all have been there. Having six children and getting back in shape has not been an easy task. And it's still not easy. As I get older, I'll be 45 and November, it is hard work. I'm like, man, I'm working. I need to see something. You know, so it's not easy work, but anybody can do it if you're diligent and consistent with it. And you can find ways. The Bible says with every uh, with work comes its own proper reward. You cannot put work in it. You're supposed to spend, okay, I got to keep handling this. You, you're supposed to spend the rest of your life pleasing two individuals, God and your spouse. Period. No if and everybody got an excuse. Everybody got a reason. Everybody. No, it's just simple. OK. I mean, I can't tell you how many times. Man, I got to use an example for this one. See this right here. That represents Kroger. This right here represents the street. I can't tell you how many times this one right here will drive past Kroger on the way home, on the way to get the kids, excuse me, and then turn around, bring the kids back home and drive right past Kroger, come home and then say, um, I need something from the grocery store. Do you mind? And what do I say? Harana, you just drove past the grocery store. All the time I'm talking, I'm getting the keys, picking up, going to the grocery store because I spend my entire life to try to make her happy, not the kids. The kids are happy because we're happy. I can't tell you how many times our kids keep an attitude. Man, we come home sometimes on Saturday night, close the door, and put my wife got this little pink sign. Do not disturb. They just come knocking on the door, we wouldn't even answer. If we did, who is it? We answer with an attitude. Eventually, they start slipping notes underneath the, and then they learn, oh, we got phones. We can text them the question. It's like, and they'd be walking around. They'd come in, can we come in here with you? No. They walk away with the attitude and everything and all this type of stuff. And we sit up there and slap hands. They mad, but we tight. <laughs> Your kids will drive you crazy. I had to counsel a couple this week. Your kids will suck the life out of you. They will suck away your coolness, your sexiness, your intimate time, all of your other time. They'll suck away your finances, your energy. You don't have nothing. I mean, just this week, just this week, it was the first week of school, my husband said, I see you already falling into a trap. <laughs> I've been watching you the last few days. I already see you going there. I was like, you know what? I appreciate you for bringing it to my attention because I feel myself going there. It's not all about the kids. I'll take them to school, get them there, do my errands, cook dinner. It's not, I have to still work out. I still have to have my time with the Lord. It's not all about the kids. I feel myself being drawn into this another school year. Thank you for telling me. I will make sure to pay attention to it daily so I don't fall back into that trap of it being all about the children. These kids are selfish, you know, and, and there's a season. 
kid. I mean, they are. They, they come are. out there and selfish. Are. They just they fly themselves. They don't care nothing about your time and your energy and nothing else. Especially that no energy time. Ugh. You know? So, <laughs> so, but sometimes in that first, in, that, in those first early years as parents, you have to bite the bullet and you yeah. do have to sacrifice. Because they're little. Okay? Because they're little. Mm-hmm. See, now ours have become old enough to be our personal slaves now. You know, so 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 now this is twisting around. It's right. becoming quite wonderful. And yes, y'all get in there and clean the kitchen and, and y'all vacuum. And when we get in this house, y'all going to be washing the cars. And Mariah, get her license here. You can drive mommy nothing. around. Yeah. You can drive mommy around. Hallelujah. Okay, let's keep on going. Okay. Proverbs chapter 7, <laughs> verses 15 through 21. Now listen to this foolishness. Listen to this. Therefore, it's, it starts earlier in the chapter. So go read the whole chapter, but it was just too long to read. So we just took out a portion. Therefore, I have come out to meet you. This is a woman talking to a man to seek your presence earnestly. And I have found you. I have spread my couch with coverings, with colored linens of Egypt. She got the best stuff for this man, right? I have sprinkled my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Wow. Come, let us drink our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with caresses. For my husband is not home. What? This woman is married. She's like, hey, I know what to do. He's gone. Come on up in here. She said, he is not home. He has gone on a long journey. He has taken a bag of money with him. And at the full moon, he will come home. So she's telling this man, okay, this is where he's gone. He's got money. He'll be gone for a while. So let's go ahead and get busy before he get back. With her many persuasions, she entices him with her flattering lips. She seduces him. And if you keep reading in that chapter, took that brother right down to the ground. Just right down to the ground. Because she was getting what she wanted. Mm-hmm. So whatever was going on in her marriage or not going on in her marriage, okay, he's gone now, so I got time to play. And she went for this guy and just prayed on the man. I, uh, um, what was that example I wanted to use? Um, and, and unfortunately now, Ladies and gentlemen and children, it used to be a time if I was a man. Yeah, thank you. That didn't sound right. (laughs) See, 30 years ago, I could get away with that statement and just keep it moving. Nowadays, (laughs) he was walking a little funny the other day. Okay. Um, You know, 30 years ago, I only had to be concerned about uh, maybe a, a female. And, and now you have to be concerned about everybody. You do. I never forget years ago, years ago, um, I think the way I carry myself sometimes in public around certain men now, they don't even approach. No, 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 you're going to get blasted with him. But, but, but before, when I was more shy, um, I never will forget, I was at the gym, and, and there was a question about his sexuality, the way that he, you know. But either way, he needed a ride home. If you're from Detroit, he needed a ride home to Palmer Park. Anybody from Detroit knows, oh no, Palmer Park is not the place to go, gay or straight. Much foolishness going on, Palmer Park, where that's where he lived. So, you know, we knew each other and spoke at the gym, so he said, man, I need a ride home. I'm like, can you give me a ride home? I said, sure, man, I can take you home. You know, it's kind of on the way here. Boom, boom. So we're talking and everything. So he's talking. And, uh, and next thing you know, because what, what people do is when the spirit of seduction is on the scene, people throw f- uh, feelers out there. So, so, so we're riding down the street and everything. We're talking and everything. 
And, and, and next thing I know, we're talking, and he didn't started touching my knee. Now, I can tell you right now, you know, me and Jerick do stuff together sometimes. I can tell you right now, if I touch Jerick's knee, he's going to touch me right back. <laughs> Stop the car in the middle of the street. Skirt! Get out. I'm the pastor. I don't care who you are. You're you walking home. So, so you know, the dude touched my leg. And you're sitting there. You're just still driving like, did this fool just touch my leg? <laughs> Trying to f- feel out. Okay. And so I'm just driving and everything. And I'm still thinking, this fool, he touched my leg. <laughs> then he did it a second time. So when he did it a second time, what I did was, I don't know if you've ever seen this before, I kept on driving, but I didn't look at the road. I just stared at him. Hey, how you know? Sometimes you got to get with people. Yeah, I got to tell them this side story right quick, if you don't mind. I had this guy one time. He, see, y'all, y'all too nice. Jesus didn't do all this. I had a guy. He's picking me up a couple of times for for church. You know, he's not a member here, not here. And he just said something goofy one time, and he was a little goofy and. Yeah, you pick me up, and I start getting uncomfortable because one time he asked, "Can I use the bathroom?" And the permanent said, "No, my wife is naked. You can't come up." Okay, so I just tell people stuff so they can. And we're riding the street, and he says, "You know," he says, huh, huh, huh. "You know, the devil, the devil just told me to uh, punch you in the face." <laughs> now he picking me up for Saturday morning service, right? I'm in the passenger seat, trying to study my lesson. Don't say everything to run through your mind if it's the devil. You know, and he laughing. Uh-huh. You know, the devil told me to punch you in the face. And I'm, and I'm just looking straight ahead. Y'all not going to believe what I told him. And he was laughing about it. And then he noticed there was no response. And then about 30 seconds later, he said, hey, let me ask you a question. He said, what would you have done if I punched you in the face? I took one pause. I said, see this pencil? He said, yes. I said, I would have took it and stabbed you in your neck. That dude didn't say another word to me all the way to this church. Can't be playing with people. No time to pull out no scriptures. Well, thus saith the Lord, you should not put your hands on another servant. No, you got to get, how many know when people act crazy, they stop acting crazy. Oh, he on another level of crazy. That's the last thing he expected that preacher to say. I will take this pencil and stab you right in the neck while you are driving and then jump out the seat in case you crash. He didn't say another word to me. You should have seen that. He was smiling. He... And so you can't. You cannot play with people. When men are throwing out sexual innuendos and flirting with you and saying things that are out of way, out of the way, or women throw... What are you doing? Choking? I'm sorry. My wife said something, and my aunt, a guy, approached her, and she gave him his wait, phone wait. number, and it was to the police department. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, all right, we got to be spiritual in front of the people and all that type of stuff. Right, 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 right. I didn't mess up your example, did I? I don't know what was saying. What was she saying, y'all? Okay, wait. Oh, no, so you can't play with people, right? So if men are throwing out sexual innuendos and women are saying things that are out of way, you got to bat that. You have to combat that. You have to, I mean, you have to make it crash and burn. You cannot receive it. You can't smile at it. You can't blink your eyes. You can't, I mean, you can't. You can't. So in this example that we just read in Proverbs, the woman was after the man trying to take the man down. Okay, so we know a gentleman who is married, has a great family. All of a sudden, 
this woman shows up on his job, new employee. Mm. It's the exact composite of what he likes. The shape, the hair, the color, everything. He, I mean, she is the exact thing that, on his job. He's been doing the job for however many months, years, whatever, going along just fine, you know, with his family and everything, and she shows up. And this girl was after him, pressing him day in, day out, day in, day out, day in. I told my husband, he needs to leave that job. I said, I know it's harsh. It may be difficult to find something else in his field, but he needs to trust God and get out of there because that girl is going to take him down. She's going to get him. She's going to entrap him. If it's in the storage room, in his car, after work, late night, she is because she's after him. And it's not her. It's the spirit behind her designed to destroy his life, his family, his ministry, his purpose, his call, his health, his finance, I mean, his whole life. I said, he needs to get out of there. He got laid off. Two weeks later, he was laid off. And I said, thank God, because he may not have had the faith or the strength or the wisdom or whatever it is to leave his job. That's how he takes care of his family. Well, then how do I get out of here? The girl is after me. But the Lord had a way for him. He had a way of escape for this man because the man wanted to do the right thing. He didn't want to hurt his wife, but he, the girl was, she was, the girl was bad. So he felt himself getting weak, just her, her consistent pressuring of him. So he ended up leaving. The Lord, like, he, got his, he got laid off, so he left. And to show you how strong it is, some of you might have heard this pastor. He's gone home to be with the Lord now, Pastor Timberlake. How many remember Pastor Timberlake? He said something. His wife was right next to him when he said it. He said something that he used to work at a school, and he said that, um, you know how you can hear someone talking through the air vent in another room? He said he heard a group of women talking, and one of the women said, she was talking about how fine he was and that she wanted to take him down. He said, I heard her say it. He said, I believe the Holy Spirit illuminated the sound so I could hear it. He said, and I knew it was a trap, and yet I was still having a, time, a hard time not to fall for it. Because sometimes there are some things that are demonic. It comes with a presence. And it's, I mean, it's just, diff, it's, it's extremely strong. And you have to, now with maturity, you can fight against all of them. But the only way, something that my wife said, I think in the beginning, the only way for you to never be deceived is to know that you can always be deceived. When you know that you can always be deceived at any moment, very rarely will you be deceived. That's the reason why most stuff doesn't get past me, because I know that it can. So I need the Holy Spirit's help. I need sometimes the help of my wife. Probably most brothers have been there. Remember when uh, I used to have this little thing? This is back in the day. You know, I got laid off from this job, and I had this little purse business. And I would set up shop, and I was making some money. And, um, and a girl came to buy this purse. And um, when she walked through the door, my wife's like, uh, that girl is after you. You know the brothers. That girl is not after me. You don't know what you're talking about. Look at her on a scale of 1 to 10. She a negative 5. I don't care if she a negative 30. The girl is after you. And one of the things you have to realize about the spirit of seduction is, ladies, Sometimes if a man is after you or a business or a shark, your man can see it and you can't. And sometimes it's definitely vice versa. Women got this radar. The lady got on a plane in California and your wife already see it. I mean, they just see this stuff way off. You know, brothers, we need a few days to realize, oh, man, well, she did send me five cards and say I love you. Oh, maybe she is into me. We're slow when it comes to that. The girl, 
she crossed the grocery store. I mean, ladies, how many, ladies, how many, you've been to a public place and you just saw this woman, you knew, don't let this girl around your husband. You just, you really got that spidey sense like that. I don't know how to, I don't know. I'm, Speaking of that insight and wisdom, my husband and I were going to an affair out of town. And I told my husband, when we get to this particular place, whatever you do, do not leave me alone. Don't leave me alone. Now, we hadn't even gotten there yet. I said, but whatever you do, don't leave me alone. So we go to the place, and we're walking along, but I needed to be closer to him, right? But my husband's walking, kind of just walking, just kind of casual, and he leaves me behind. Not too far behind, because I'm right behind him. I get caught by a person, a man, much, much older gentleman, and he whispers something in my ear. was extremely inappropriate. Was that the auto show? No. Mm. And... um. I was so insulted. Now, I handled it with class, but there was a different uh, response that I wanted to give. <laughs> but we were in public around a lot of people, and I handled it with class, and I walked in, and I told him, this is why I told you, when we get to this place, don't leave me alone. Because I knew when we get there, I knew he would be there. He would have this stuff on his mind. He's been hitting on me for years. And I really felt like I really didn't have a voice to really say anything because of who the person is. So I just dealt with it. It wasn't anything that I couldn't do. I need to go to police about anything like that. But things that made me feel uncomfortable. Just things that a man should not say to a married woman. Okay? Yeah, you got to be very careful what you say because you just got to be very careful what you say because you can be accused of anything. All righty. You went to this one? Yeah. Okay. So let's take a look at Genesis chapter 39, 7 through 10. Now in this story, we're going to take a look at Potiphar's wife and look at Joseph. Joseph was second in command in Potiphar's house. And Joseph was a good-looking man. He had the blessing of the Lord upon him, great favor. And that was very attractive to Potiphar's wife. So we pick up in verse 7. It says, it came about after these events that his master's wife looked with desire at Joseph. And she said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, with me here, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house, and he has put all that he owns in my charge. There is no one greater in this house than I, and he has withheld nothing from me except for you. So Joseph is in charge of everything that belongs to this man except his wife, rightfully so. And then he says, because you are his wife, okay, how then could I do this great evil and sin against God? So he saw her invitation to commit adultery as a sin against God. As she spoke to Joseph day after day, he did not listen to her to lie beside her or be with her. He had nothing to do with her. He was like, yeah, we can just lay in the bed and hold each other. No, no, we can't. I, I can't come anywhere near you. And he was in this woman's house. And if you read the story, I mean, she begged him. It was no one in the house. They were in there by themselves. So Joseph had been in a position where he... Then was alone with her. She grabs his clothes. He runs. That's, that's what you're supposed to do when it comes to sin. You run. He ran. She had his garment and then lied. So, men, you cannot put yourselves or allow yourself to be in a position that's going to cause your name to uh, be evil spoken of. Even when you had a good heart, you had good intentions, but how it looks, because he was alone with her in that house, it ended up being a bad thing. And he ended up going to prison. There's always something that's trying to take you down. I, uh, she was talking. Um, I had a, uh, I don't want to say what their function is. We had a particular person that we were using for something at this ministry. And um, um, he was a previous, had been a drug dealer, 
and on drugs, different things like that. He was trying to make an effort to clean up his life. He really was in some ways, but he kept, he was had a half stepping. So he was, uh, his probation officer was, it was time for him to meet with his proba- probation officer. And he forgot about it and had just done drugs like uh, three or four days ago or something. So now he realizing, oh man, I'm about to mess up and get put back in jail. I will never forget this as long as I live. We were at the Riverdale site. I was sitting at the table. He was sitting across from me. And he sat there and he said, because he knew that there was one way out. The one way out is as if I lied for him as a pastor. And this is how he tried to bait me. He said, yeah, he said, it's only one way out. He looking around and everything. And, and he said, it's only way went out of this, you know, and, you know, uh, you know, you would have to write a letter saying that the opposite happened, you know, and, you know, I could never ask you to do anything like that. <laughs> it's just how he looked at me. That's the first time that I think I really did see Satan. I mean, the look on his eyes, it was the it was a it was a bait. You know, because you would never do anything like that. And he just looked at, he was looking around at first. And when it came time for him to focus in on the bait, he just looked at me with this evil in his eyes. And I just stared back at him. You know, when evil looks at you, sometimes you got to stare back. There was silence. And I just kept looking. He kept looking. Then he turned away and says, okay, guess I'm going to have to deal with it. And I said, mm, I guess so. Because of what happened here. See, you fall for that bait one time because you want somebody that you think can help you go someplace. And then what happens is, is that whenever they get mad at you in the future, they either blackmail you and keep on doing it because they got you one time. Or the authorities find out you lied about it, you know, and then you've lost the respect for the individual. I mean, the individual has lost respect for you. And then they go out there and now your name is being tarnished and you don't even know it. It is amazing, y'all, how small the world is. Absolutely how small the world is. You go places, I mean, they've been people, total strangers, and, and, and you talk to them, oh, I know who you are. You do. You know, I mean, it's, I mean they say you're like seven people from meeting anybody uh, in the world, and that very much is true. Many times it's much, much less than that. So you got to be very, very careful when it comes to this because the theme with seduction is it's trying to make you lose your quality, your way of life, It's trying to make you lose your honor and your value. You must see yourself as the most valuable person on the planet and be extremely selective about who you let into your inner circle when it comes to friends, when it comes to family members, when it comes to business, when it comes to church people, whatever it is, you have to be selective. That's not you trying to be deep. That's not you trying to be honorary. That's not you trying to be better than somebody else. It's you recognizing that the value that's been placed on me is the exact same value as the one who sits on the throne. Therefore, I must govern my time, my money, my resources, everything. I must watch. If you're getting on my nerves, you got to go. And the problem is sometimes we can't do that. You know why? Because we're worried about how they're going to feel and how they would think about us. And it's something very valuable that I heard. Sometimes the best thing you can do is leave people, go on and do what you're supposed to do, and that's the only way you can save them. 
So ladies, it's extremely important that if you have some new friend that comes into your life and your husband telling you, I don't have peace about her or something's not right about her, that you listen because he can, he can see things that you can't see about her. And then you decide, well, no, she's cool. She's cool. She's fine. And you enter into a relationship with, relationship with her. And then six months, nine months, 12, 12 months down the line, you see, wow, you were right all along. So take heed to what your spouse is telling you. Yeah. And we'll do this last one. It's found in 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 1 through 4. <clears throat> you want me to read it? Okay. It says, Now King Solomon loved many foreign women along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, Hittite woman. Get another way of word it is. Paul loved all type of women, white, black, Mexican, Russian, Mixed, alien, Chinese, didn't matter. That's what it is saying about Solomon. This boy was, you know, for this man to be the wife, see, once again, I mean, you know, you can have your stuff tight in every single area and be just as off in one. The Bible says, remember what Jesus said. He said Solomon was the greatest, most wise individual. He said, now greater than Solomon's here. But up until me, Solomon was the man. Well, he didn't have fullness of wisdom because in this area, as my favorite word is, he was whack. Okay? From the nations concerning which the Lord has said to the sons of Israel, you shall not associate with them, nor shall they associate with you. For they will surely seduce your heart away after their gods. Solomon held fast to these in love. How you love this many women, I do not know. He had 700 wives. This man was gone. Princesses, 300 concubines. These decide chicks. And his wives turned his heart away. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart away after other gods. And his heart was not wholly devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. Most seduction when it comes to Christians, seduction and the spirit of seduction is all for one purpose. And that is to turn your heart away from the Lord. I can't tell you, I am so tired of trying to help single girls. I keep trying to tell these girls, if the dude is not living for the Lord, he is the wrong dude. I don't care what he said. I don't care what he's doing for you. I don't care about none of that. There's, see, let me say this. When you're dating someone and you got a boyfriend, you got a girlfriend, that doesn't count. You know why? People's natures change when they become one with you. There's a change. There's two times that you get changed. You get changed when you give your life to Christ. You get changed when you get married. And I keep trying to tell people, leave these. And now, now it's flipping. Now, these dudes dealing with these old crazy girls. Yeah, if they're not living for the Lord, leave their behinds alone. I didn't hurt at all. Well, we can live together. Ain't nothing going to happen. Okay. You know, we can do this. The Lord told me something different. Okay, I think I can get him saved. Okay, wonderful. No, leave him alone. I have not run into a case yet where I told them leave him alone and it worked out. And it's frustrating because people, they try to treat us like we like the devil. We don't know what we're talking about. They think that two plus two is four for everybody in the planet except them. For them, two plus two is five. No, there's a special revelation. There's a special way. I can beat the system. I can go against the force of nature. I can do all of that and it's going to work out. And it's not designed that way. If it's designed that way and you can do it, we got to kick God off the throne. It never works. And it's unfortunate because a lot of people, they don't listen. Then you know what happens. 
Now we got to have the counseling appointment. I don't know what to do. And I tell them, I don't know what to do either. I only knew what to do to show you how to do it the right way. Now that you're in this situation, I don't know what you're supposed to do. I don't know if this man is going to change. I don't know if this woman is going to change. I don't know what to tell you. All you can do is pray. Repent and pray. You know, and we got to be very careful what we tell people because we got a couple of people offended at us right now because sometimes one of the things that we as pastors, people try to bait you into telling you what they want you to tell them so that they can blame it on you. And so we're, there are a couple of times when we were in a situation and the person wore us out so bad, we had to tell them, look, this is your only option. You can either stay and pray or divorce. That's it. Then the person says, oh, I'm mad at y'all because you told me to divorce my man. No, he didn't. We told you those were the two options. But people hear what they want to hear. But you know me, I really don't care because my stuff is tight. It's the attitude you got to have because there's one thing that's not going to happen. I see how crazy these preachers are and I will not be in that number. Martin say, I'm keeping my happy home. (laughs) So it is extremely important when you're out here and you're courting, dating, and seeing people that you, I mean, you are selective. You are selective in who you will entertain and who you will spend your time with. When I first got saved, that was the one thing that I would not do. I would not go out with or date someone who was not already a Christian. I just wouldn't. He could have been fine, had a bunch of money, great status, great education. I just wouldn't go. I wouldn't even give him the time of day. I don't have time to get you saved. If you're not saved now, you don't love Jesus, whatever. I'm going to go on to the next one. So I wouldn't. But then I had to be careful with the ones who were Christians. So I met a guy who said he was a Christian. Very good-looking man. Not as fine as my husband, but very good-looking man. And we go out on the date, and I'm a visual woman. It's like, okay, he's a good-looking guy, you know, works out and everything, you know, body's nice and tight. Get on the date. This is the first date. He's showing me pictures with his shirt off. It's like, yeah, I'm a bodybuilder. You know, I've been into a few competitions. Okay, I won't be calling you back either. (laughs) So he was a Christian, went to church, loved the Lord, but I can see where this is going. The enemy is trying to bait me so I will not be pure, so I can just give myself away and walk around in condemnation so I won't see this guy either. Might have been a good guy. In fact, I ran into him years later after he was married and I was married and he would seem to be doing fine. But I just wouldn't. I just, I just had a standard. I'm like, this is what you're going to do on the first date? I know what's on your mind. Forget you. You don't want Jesus. You're trying to get... No. <laughs> Bye. She's hilarious with that man. She... Um, and let me add this one of the things that you have to be careful of because we don't want you to label everything Satan when a couple is dating you can have two spirit filled born again holy ghost as they say fire baptized big old bible toting Christians and the natural spirit of seduction will be there when they date not the demonic the natural There is a natural attraction that men have for beautiful women. There is a natural attraction that women have for handsome men. Okay, I have a question then. So would that be called seduction or just a natural attraction for the opposite sex? It's just a natural attraction. Yeah, that's better, that's better, that's better. Right, okay. She should keep me right. Yeah, that would be... Wow. It's not seduction because it's not yeah, a yeah, spirit right, trying right, to just right, make right. you get what you want. Yeah, you're right. People, yeah. <laughs> John's wife like, no, 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 no. I'm getting it from this side. No, okay. So but it's, uh, it is better for me to say natural attraction. And so, but it, it's borderline because if I see her and she's dressed a particular way, look, let me say it from a man's point of view and then you give it from a woman's point of view. Thank you. When a dude goes out with a girl for the first time, okay, she didn't got her hair done, the makeup is right, 
She done pulled her girlfriend over there two hours later and they didn't argue over which dress is perfect for the first date for the first date. All of this is going on. She has meditated, she's thought, everything is right. She didn't cleaned up everything. I mean, boom, perfect. Okay. Well, for a guy, he can have the Holy Ghost coming out his ears. When he sees fine, his body goes into a particular mode. Okay, I don't mean fully. I'm just saying you got to keep your mind off of sex when you see this girl. And so you have to be careful because because um, ladies, you can be out with a guy and he's weak that particular night and it can give you the wrong impression. Okay, versus if now the second, the third date, the fourth date and fifth date, it just keeps coming up that you want sex. Okay, you got to put a person in check, male or female, and say, no, do not bring this up again, because if you do, we're not going out. Some people say that's going too far, but the individuals that go too far seem to be the ones that's happily never mind. So just be very careful with that because there's a natural, you know, you're looking perfect on the first date. Okay? And he's sounding, he might be the most ashy, lopsided dude, flooded pants and, and all that. That day he went and got some flowers, he went and got a haircut, he washed his car, he picked you up. He may not know what to say, but he'll just say, man, you look really nice today. So it's this going back and forth. He's captivated by your beauty. You're captivated by his words and you're breaking each other down and don't even know it. So there are a lot of Christians who innocently did fall in the sin because you didn't know how that how that that attraction works. It's a natural attraction that you have to put in check. Okay, living holy until you get married is simply you knowing how to drive a car, but you can't because you don't have a license. And it's extremely difficult, folks. That's why it's only one thing in the Bible says to run from. It didn't say pray about it. It said run from, and that's fornication. You know why? It's the only thing natural that God says you have to turn off. Because it is natural for a man to want to be with a woman. It is natural for a woman to want to be with a man. When you start dating someone and now you get along with them and they look good, it is natural for you to think about being having, having sex with them. That is to- totally normal and totally, totally natural as a spirit-filled Christian, born-again believer, filled with the Holy Ghost, love Jesus, on fire, read the word. It is totally normal and natural when you are single to think about having sex with another individual. God says you got to cast that imagination down and do whatever is necessary to shut that down. So that you can do this the right way, get the full blessing of the Lord, favor and everything, and not put yourself in a trap. So just be careful when you're dating someone. Don't just throw someone out one time because that was offered. You got to analyze. Now, you might know the first time, but you have to make. See, let me say this. You have to make yourself clear up front. Make yourself clear. This is what I'm about. Mm -hmm. I'm not having sex with nobody until I get married. Boom, boom, boom. Like I told you, I told them last Sunday about this girl that came to me. They've been dating this guy for six years. Six. Okay, it was my last counseling appointment. And I told him, I told when she said this, I said, I'm going early, I'm going home early today. That's literally what I told her. I said, I'm going home to my wife. She sat down, she told me I closed it, but closed it Bible. We didn't have iPads and stuff, you had to have your Bible open working this year. Bam! I'm going home early today. And that girl told me, I'm here, you know, because I've been dating this guy for six years. And, and after six years, I just wondered if, 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 if he was the one. And so I asked him, and he said he didn't know. Bam! Going home early today. This is all you got to do. I didn't even need to ask any questions. I said, all you got to do is go home, stop giving him sex. She looked at me. I said, that's all you got to do. Just stop giving him sex. You know why? Last time I checked, Ain't no man in his right mind and even half crazy mind going to be with a woman for six years and he not getting none. 
Raise your hand if you're sure, brothers. It's all right if you're married. You're married now. You got some from your wife one time because you got some kids. <laughs> I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> from that crazy lady in the airport. That's why I said that. Okay. Okay. So she went home. She said, sex is stopped. He was gone two weeks later. Six years down the drain. Because she wouldn't honor herself as a queen. So just for clarity's sake... The spirit of seduction is not the same as if you are in a relationship with someone that you are possibly in love with or you're just really attracted to. I mean, it's a natural thing. You should be. That's part of going toward maybe courtship or marriage. I mean, that you're attracted to the individual. So you should be attracted. But it's a difference when you look at the motive of a person. Is my motive to get dressed, to smell good, to have my tall heels on so that when I see him, he will give himself to me? Is that my motive? Or do I want to just please him and look pretty so when we go out, he feels good about who he's with? And vice versa. What is the motive? Is the motive to take something from you or to be a blessing to you? And so if you are in a relationship with a man or a woman and they're just taking, 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 and the relationship is not edifying, it doesn't draw you closer to Christ, then it's the wrong person. You don't have to pray about that. If that relationship is not drawing you closer to the Lord, it is the wrong individual. But if your relationship is enhanced and you all, you all do talk about the Lord and you can discuss him and the word and the, your relationship with the Lord is enhanced by your relationship and interaction with this person, this possibly could be the right person for you. And that was the case with my husband. He was always at church, loved the Lord, was in the word, talked about the Bible. And that was intriguing to me. That was attractive to me. So I want to talk about the word, not always how fine you are. Okay, tell, give me the compliment, but let's not harp on that because now I think you want something else from me. And it's a fine line. I'll just say this last thing. It's a very fine line. You have to judge yourself accordingly because, ladies, uh, sometimes, you got to remember, when are, men are generally very weak in this area. We're talking about the Christian ones. They are very weak in this area. When you go out, I'm talking more to the single individuals, definitely to the single individuals. You go out, if a guy's picking you up or you're going out on a date with a guy, you got to be very even selective with what you wear. you got to put it on. Uh, my wife... Um, even though she dresses for me, there are still things that she will say. Uh, she told me, I told her, I said, I want you to wear that dress. No, I'm uncomfortable wearing that dress because it shows a little bit of too much of only what you're supposed to see. So you have to judge yourself because I don't care what a man tell you. Always notice when a man tell you, oh, I'm not moved by that. I'm fine. Just know that he's lying. <laughs> he's lying because he doesn't want you to make you. He doesn't want you feel uncomfortable. Okay. That's how men are made. They are made to be moved by what they see. They are designed by God to be overcome by a woman's sexuality that is scriptural. That's why it says, let a man always be ravished. It means to be intoxicated with his wife's love. It says that in the Bible. It says, let him be satisfied with her breast at all times. It says that because men are physical. It says other things about women because they are more emotional, even though they can be physical too. But generally, men are made up that way. So you got to be very careful, ladies, to protect men in that particular way. And men, you have to protect ladies in a particular way. And, uh, and then still ask for the Holy Ghost help because it's hard, period. It's just hard. It's difficult. It's super hard. Okay. So the last example I want to give is I don't, I don't know who seduced who. I just know they were here one minute and next minute they were gone. There's was a single dad, showed up at the church, had two little children. He was here early uh, before church had started. And my husband asked me if I wouldn't mind showing him where children's church was. So I took him and he was following behind me. And I mean, as I'm walking down the hall, showing, I mean, I could feel lust behind me. I mean, I could feel it. 
I didn't even turn around and look at the guy. I could just feel it. It was disgusting. So I'm going down the hall, and I show him how to get his children checked in, all of that. So that was my first encounter with this gentleman. Then at our other site, there's a single mom. So somehow their paths intersect. They ended up getting together. They were at the church only for a short time, and the brother got kicked out. He was living with his mom. He got kicked out. He calls my husband and asked him, can he come live with us? Yes, he did. Asked him to come live with us. I don't know what I told that guy. And then, shortly thereafter, the man's mother calls my husband. And he tells my husband, yes, I kicked him out. Because I came home and found him and this girl in my kitchen. Doing so it I, on a table. So, so, he, so, so, I don't know what he had in his mind exactly <laughs> when he asked my husband, can I come live with you? But I can tell you it wasn't, it wasn't nice. No, you can't come live with us. I'm married. I've got four daughters. Two sons. No, you, I don't know where you're going to go. A shelter, a friend. I don't know where you're going. But she kept the children, and she put that brother out. Needless to say, we haven't seen her or him again. Because, I mean, there are traps that are sent. There are traps that are sent against you as a single individual. There are traps that are sent against you as a married couple. There are traps that are sent against you as a family. There are traps that are sent against your children to pull them into stuff that they will maybe never recover from from the rest of their lives. There are traps that are sent against a business. There are traps that are sent against uh, um, churches. And, and, and the biggest thing is, is that seduction is sometimes sensuality perverted. Sensuality is something that is, if that's even a word, I'm not saying it right. It's, 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 it's the attraction. It's the whole, it's the eros. Eros is the, one of the Greek words for love. It's the sexual type of love. God is the one who designed that. He engineered it, you all, a particular way, and you have to be responsible. For example, if I give my wife a kiss on her forehead, mwah, that's generally not going to do nothing for her. But Nothing. It's designed that if I kiss her on her lips, sensuality kicks in. Her emotions become different because of the kiss on the lips versus the kiss on the forehead. Because God designed body parts to trigger even certain emotions. And the more that you're ignorant about that, you just end up duping yourself. You have to know how a body, how a woman, I'm getting tongue tied and everything, thinking about my, never mind. You got to know how your wife works. You got to know how your husband works. And you do need to have a general working knowledge of what moves men and what moves women in order for the purpose of protecting them. And I have to say this, too. You also need to know yourself and be honest with yourself so you don't fall into anything. And I'll give you a brief example. I think we'll be close. And I went and had a massage some years ago, and I had a male masseuse. And generally, I've always had a female masseuse. This particular day, it was only a male available. Now, he wasn't my type or anything, but he was a man. So I just took my clothes off, got on a little table, they put a little cover over you and everything, and so I got the massage. And so after it was over, you know, my husband was there, he was getting the massage as well, he asked me, well, how was it? And I said, well, the massage itself was great. It was great, but I'll never come here again. And he said, well, why not? I said, because it was too sensual. It was just too sensual. I got all the kinks out, all the, you know, all the knots and everything. I just didn't like the way I felt. I just, I will never come here again. Yesterday I went and had a massage. It was wonderful. Nothing sensual about it. It was great. I just felt relaxed and I felt at peace. 
And that was great. So you have to know yourself and how you operate, your emotions, uh, your body, all this, so that you will not put yourself in a position where you can be taken down. So I never went back to that place again. And the guy didn't do anything inappropriate. I just didn't like the way it made me feel. So I left and never went back. Yeah, I go to the same place, and when I go in, I generally ask for the old lady with the hot breath. <laughs> Serious. Yeah, it was terrible one time. It started to ask for somebody else. Okay, but that's what you call personal responsibility. There are some things that you just fall into, and you got to take say, okay, I won't do that again. I won't do that again. It's, it's, y'all. We are the most valuable things that God ever has and ever will create. It. We are Him. Our DNA, His DNA, is on the inside of us. That's a high uh, level value. If you had a Rolls Royce, how I many know you don't just let somebody sit on the hood? Okay, if you have an expensive diamond ring that costs $10,000, you don't set that thing down anywhere. When you have relatives come over and the cousins come on over Thanksgiving, you go lock that thing up in two safes. Okay, the higher the value, the more you protect it and don't even let people touch it. Yet, when it comes to ourselves, we are the things that are the most value and we just let anybody treat us any old type of way. And you can't do that because to the degree that you value yourself, you will attract that type of value. It's a reason why we attract some high-value people here because of how we look at ourselves and how we treat people. And that's very, very important. So, all righty. I think we'll close it down. We are going to do a... We're talking through this one. Um, We're going to do part two of this seduction from a deeper place next weekend. Then the weekend after that, we will be doing this serious message, and then we'll pick back up with sex. Following week. Get everybody coming to church on that one, boy. Okay. So, um, and we are going to do a at least one weekend of nothing but question and answer. At the top of the hour, we just start hitting it because we want to make sure that people get their answers uh, to what they uh, to what they need. You know, with that first session, people asked us a couple of questions. Do I need to throw throw, throw everything away? I was like, no. You know, if you don't have any issues already. And nothing is brought to your attention, then you don't need to get rid of all the old stuff. And uh, no. Hold on, let me say this. I'm so glad you said that because last week after the service, I mean, people told me I need to go throw out my mattress and throw out my whole bedroom set and throw out my kitchen table and my dining room table and throw out my couch. All I have is boxes. And so we chuckled. We're like, whoa, whoa. Everybody does not have a soul tie. Everybody doesn't have issues in this area. But when you hear something like this, like, oh, who do I need to get rid of? You know, let me change my phone number. And yes, you probably, maybe some of you should change your phone number, but, and get rid of your emails and, and lock down your Facebook settings and your Twitter and Instagram so people can't follow you or try to get in touch with you if you want that part protected. But please, if this is an individual thing. Please seek the Lord on the adjustments you need to make for yourself personally. This is a very personal thing. So don't go throw out your bed and your whole bedroom set and all your perfume. Or all, I mean, one girl told me, she said, he bought me everything I own. If I throw all my clothes away, I won't have anything. And she was very emotional about it. I mean, she was very upset because, I mean, in her heart, she's like, I want to do the right thing. I want to honor God. I have made mistakes, and I am just, I want to do the right thing. Like, but the Lord knows your situation. So I was like, and we, I, I just told her, I said, this is a very personal thing, very personal. So we're not telling you to, to go get rid of everything. But there are some people that have attachments, attachments that hold you to that memory. It's like, well, why are you keeping these pictures? Why are you keeping these cards? Why are you keeping the letters? Why are you keeping the jewelry? Why are you keeping these objects? Why are you doing it? Uh, and you can go ahead and cut that for me.